Robots take over screening in Rwanda, capable of screening between 50 to 150 persons per minute. Despite having just 308 cases, the country acquired five humanoid robots aimed at reducing contact between medics and patients. Reports say the high-tech robots were launched at the Kanyinya COVID-19 treatment center by the country's Ministry of Health on Tuesday. Rwanda is taking a fast leap ahead of other African countries. It is one of the less hit countries. Currently managing 308 cases, the country has recorded an impressive 209 recoveries and no casualties. Rwanda deployed the five robots with support of the United Nations Development Program, UNDP, to fast-track the fight against COVID-19. The robots will screen and record audiovisual data of patients. A Belgian company, ZoraBots, met the robots. The robots can perform a number of tasks related to COVID-19 management, including mass temperature screening, delivering food and medication to patients, capturing data, detecting people who are not wearing masks. The five robots have been given Rwandan names Akazuba, Ikizere, Mwiza, Ngabo and Urumuri, the BBC reports. Meanwhile, Lagos in Nigeria says each COVID-19 test costs between 40,000 to 50,000 naira and the state says it has spent 800 million naira screening 16,000 people. This is the reset button on Kauri 97.5 FM radio Abelkuta. The reset button is our daily focus on COVID-19, its consequences for social behavior, advocacy, conservation, and good governance. I am Willie Thomas. Welcome to the program. Maybe you remember when we kiss and hug. We would touch each other without rubber gloves. Now we stay inside. There ain't nothing going on Coronavirus showed up so we can't hug now Need to buy essentials but the stores are out Everybody's freaked out Face masks everywhere we go People lost their minds We could use a vaccination we got the checks we need, need no new taxation, we'll stay home together, uh-huh, eat some snacks with each other, uh-huh, social distancing, that is where we are, no one in between, have to stay this far, stay away from me, if you're not family, or we'll stay quarantined forever. Just go away And I can get a haircut And a real entree Where a waiter comes by Ask you what you'd like to have When we get past Corona We can take a flight 
watch passengers go crazy when someone reclines. We'll get back in our car, finally go to bars or a movie. No more rubber gloves. We can finally hug each other. I have no more excuse not to see my mother. No zooming with each other. Uh huh. Start to lose all this blubber, uh-huh. Social distancing, that is where we are. No one in between at the status bar. Stay away from me if you're not family. Or we'll stay quarantined forever, uh-huh. Keep this virus from each other, uh-huh. Lovely song to welcome you all to today's edition of the Reset Bulletin. I am Willie Thomas, and in today's program, Cross River State Governor Ben Ayade launches anti-tax council, abolishes taxes for small-scale farmers, traders, and exempts other micro and small businesses, including chop bars, hotels with less than 50 rooms, from paying tax as part of the state's post-COVID palliative. Coronavirus innovations, we hear the story of a 32-year-old physics graduate, first class for that matter, who used the period of the lockdown in Ghana to invent the Quam disinfectant chamber. All of this plus our Ramadan talk series with Abia Elgo Neme and Bola Wola Makinde and the Newsbeats. You're listening to the Reset Bulletin on Calvary 97.5 FM, Abeokuta. And we go to Canaba, capital of Cross River State, where Professor of Immunology turned Governor Ben Ayade has abolished taxes for farmers, food vendors, chop bars and a host of other micro and small businesses. In an emotion-driven inaugural speech, the governor charged members of the agency, whose chairman is Bishop Emma Isong, to do what is just and stop the harassment of the poor. Your responsibility from today going forward is to put an end to illegal taxes on people. We have a tax law here that prescribes those who are exempted from tax. All those categories of people and those that from time to time may be so announced by the governor, including every single hotel that has less than 50 rooms in Calabar, and in the whole state, today are exempted from payment of tax. We have exempted all Okada drivers, taxi drivers, airport taxi drivers. We have exempted small salon owners, small catering and restaurant points, mama food, eatery points. All those small, small, basic survival people selling of produce, struggling to earn a living, they have been exempted today from paying tax. We have exempted them because it is better for me as a governor that I rather task my brain than to tax my people. As great perseverance, you have the right for anybody who comes before you to demand tax. 
you have the right to say stop. The governor have said we should not pay tax. Why will a small person carry banana from his farm to go and sell and produce people are there taxing him for produce? Why will somebody carry granite to go to market and somebody is putting a checkpoint on the road and collecting money from the granite seller? This is not Ben Ayade. This is not my nature. I am not wired for this insensitivity to a weaker person. I have abolished produce tax. Let farmers earn their money. Let them keep their money. Because you didn't give them fertilizer, you did not irrigate the soil, you did not prepare the soil for them, you did not do the land clearing for them. Why do you want to tax them? Why do you put pressure on that, your small brother or sister, whose situation is much worse? Why would we expect that people who don't have scholarship for their children, who don't have good schools, they struggle to pay, struggle with the uniforms, struggle to have security in their small businesses, struggle to get water with their boreholes, struggle with generator, and government is providing almost nothing to come back to such people and tax them. I, I think this is the greatest injustice. I never knew that five years into office as governor, I would still find somebody who could live in a tax house in Crossroads. I almost cried because I knew how prepared I was, but it, it didn't end the way I had dreamt for the state. And I, I just think that somewhere God will just help me because I really wish I could really here. I really wish I could help. It's very painful, truly, truly. I can't put five years and I've not been able to, to the change I wished. I know of some small people whose businesses are closed because even after signing into law that they should stop collecting tax, I still find people giving political appointment for a completely different thing. And you see them go back to these same people and dragging them and seizing and closing their shops and taxing. If we have to pay tax, let me contact the anti-tax agency. They will give us a task for whether we fall under the category of those who pay tax or not. So your vehicles, your public life, your telephone numbers will be in the public domain because everybody must call you to clear whether they have to pay tax or not to pay tax. And so I pick only men of God and women of God to serve here. I charge you that by the time you are done, let your agency be a world-class example for other states and countries to emulate. If God sees into my heart, let him take every single wealth I have, if he can make every single cross-reign rich. If he can take every single cross-reign out of poverty, let Ben Ayade and the Ayades, let us be poor for cross-reign to be comfortable. Let me see Calabar Prime again. Uh, this is part of my post-COVID-19 response. Ben Ayade. I'm sure Alajakpas in Ogun State and across the southwest will wish for an Ayade as their governor. Next to Kumasi in Ghana, where a 32-year-old first-class physics graduate has invented a multi-purpose disinfectant chamber. Here's the story courtesy CRM City Newsroom, Kumasi. 32-year-old Samuel Latundukwam graduated from the Kwame Nkrumah University of Science and Technology with a first class in physics in 2015. He's now a physics teacher at a Kumasi High School. Samuel says he has been working on a number of inventions, but during the period of the partial lockdown, he decided to develop an invention to help curtail the spread of COVID-19, which he calls Qualm Disinfection Chamber. He says it uses accepted standards of disinfectants that will help prevent the spread of COVID-19. The device has been designed to either use electricity or solar. Instead of using hand sanitizers and the hand washing model, which have been recommended by health experts in preventing the spread of the disease, 
the inventor of the qualm disinfection chamber believes his product is an upgrade since it disinfects the hands and parts of the body, including shirts, within three seconds. There is also the possibility that the virus can come to our skin, our clothes and other parts of the body. No matter how many times you wash your hands, you could easily reinfect yourself by touching other parts of your body, picking your phone from your pocket, putting your hands in your pocket or other things. So I thought it wise that if there is a way of sanitizing the entire body, it will be helpful. That is why I came out with the Quam Disinfection Chamber. Uh, the Quam Disinfection Chamber operates in such a way that when you enter, it senses you and starts dis dis uh, dispensing the disinfection disinfectant on your body. So you stay in. It is coming out of two directions in a cone form of 70 of 70 degrees. Following the lifting of a partial lockdown, Samo believes the device could be used at all public places to disinfect all persons. He says even after COVID-19, the products can be used at various health facilities, especially at infectious disease units, to disinfect health workers and patients. So within this COVID-19 period, this would be useful at marketplaces, other social places, malls, banks, hospitals, uh, to disinfect anybody who goes in there and comes out. Uh, and then after the COVID-19, it is still applicable at uh, hospitals, intensive care units, uh, infectious units, where the health worker needs to be disinfected. Samuel Kwam says he's looking forward to getting the Ghana Standards Authority to certify the products. He also wants government and other groups to partner and support him with funding to scale up operations. Currently, I am looking at getting the Ghana Standards Authority on board for standardization and certification and also appealing to governmental organizations, corporate bodies, world bodies to come and help so that in this time we can help uh, keep the spread of the coronavirus. Authorities at the Ghana Standards Authority say they are beginning processes to ensure that the product goes through all necessary procedures for certification to take place. We are in talk with the laboratory, I mean, talk with the laboratory business and then we are also working together to see how best we can also help him. I've also given him some tips that where he will need support or something so, so that it's a collaboration. You know, we are in the Ministry of Trade and we work with other agencies. We have the uh, board, uh, National Board for Small Scale Industries. So I've given him those tips that he should follow. We should go through trade and all those. So together, we help him then bring out that product to the market. The event of this project, Samokwam believes that once he's given the needed support, this project will go a long way of making a greater impact in Ghana and even beyond the shores of the country. For City News, I am Edward upon Marvel, Kote Kumasi. That report courtesy City Newsroom Kumasi, and we're joined now by Apia El Runemi in Cairo, Egypt, with today's Ramadan talk. <laughs> Back 
to the characteristics of worship in Islam. Number three, its multiplicity. One of the characteristics of worship in Islam is its multiplicity, which addresses all the practical and intellectual events of mankind. One type comes in a verbal shape like invocation, remembering Allah, promoting virtue, and preventing vice. Another type comes in the form of physical actions, praying, financial actions, zakat, and all inclusive actions, hajj. Other types are neither verbal nor actions but are rather an abstention from some actions like fasting. Worship in Islam is a gradual elevation of the human being within the stairway of spiritual sophistication, starting with the minimum imposed rituals up to the unlimited horizons of voluntary worships that are left to other everybody's ability provided that they do not conflict with the various jobs and duties either related to himself or to his family and people. Number four, it is based on revelation. One of the characteristics of worship in Islam is that it was already predetermined by revelation and said by the legislature the way it was practiced and reported by the Prophet without any room for addition, deduction, restricting the generalized, generalizing the restricted, switching or changing. The way we pray, the number of prayer units, the form of praying, the types of prayers, the recitations, etc. All of this cannot be tampered with or changed or increased or decreased. The Prophet says, pray the way you saw me praying. He also says, take your rituals and rites after me. As for the differences that arose between the jurists in some of the details, these differences only arose due to differences in interpretations, differences in narrations, or differences in deductions. Being revelatory, worship needs not be justified by any reason. So, evolution needs not to be justified by cleanliness. Praying needs not to be justified by exercising fasting needs not to be justified by health benefits. All these benefits, even though they are true, but still they are not the cause behind the worships. They are just considered among the benefits of worship that was that we basically do because we are adorned to do it by Allah and because we submit to His command. For this reason, the jurists never investigated the reason beyond giving a particular number of units for each prayer or beyond limiting fasting to a number of days or beyond the order in which we pray or the days itself. The essential meaning of worship is that we practice it from a firm belief that the one who orders is Allah and that the Prophet delivered its method to us in every detail. Hence, practicing it embodies the concept of absolute submission to the dominant creator Allah. So the basic principle in worship is that it is done in compliance with Allah's command in fulfillment to his right over his bondmen in gratitude for his his undeniable blessings without the necessity of yielding any fruits or benefits on the material life of man. So it is not a must that worship must have a wisdom that we can perceive using our limited mind because the basic concept beyond it is that it is a test for the servitude of man to his Lord. Worship is the medicine that cures the ailments of hearts. They are composed from different amounts of components like in prostrating double the amount of bowing or praying at fajr of what we pray at Asr, which is the middle prayer. All of this is part of the divine secret that Allah placed in it which calls for practicing it in this particular way. The same way medicines have sources and branches and we raise 
Each branch affects the source in some way. The same goes for the voluntary acts of worship, which complement the basic acts of worship. Abia El Runemi with today's Ramadan talk. Next, Paula Wola Makinde with Newsbeats, a wrap up of events across the world in the last 48 hours. Thursday, 21st May 2020, and from our London United Kingdom studios, this is Kari 97.5 FM Newsbeats. I am Bola Wola Makinde. Tanzanian President John Magafuli and his Kenyan counterpart Uhuru Kenyatta have agreed that ministers from the two countries meet to resolve an ongoing border dispute over coronavirus testing. The top-level intervention comes only four days after President Kenyatta closed Kenya's border with Tanzania, except for vehicles carrying cargo. Speaking in Sindiga, central Tanzania, Magafuli ordered the transport minister and regional commissioners of border towns to meet with officials from Kenya to resolve any underlying issues. Striking a reconciliatory tone, the Tanzanian president asked the regional commissioners to refrain from being driven by emotion and instead put patriotism and the consideration of economic interests first. In Burundi, the main opposition candidate, Agathon Ruasa, has complained of fraud in yesterday's presidential election, saying his party's election observers were chased away from some polling stations. His National Freedom Council party also accused supporters of the ruling CNDD-FDD party of multiple voting. But neither have the Electoral Commission nor the ruling party commented on the allegations. The vote took place without international observers and social media platforms such as WhatsApp were blocked. Media houses were also barred from announcing results of respective polling stations. Unlike in previous elections, with authorities saying only the Electoral Commission is allowed to announce consolidated results. The two main contenders, retired General Evariste Indashimiye from the ruling party and Mr. Ruwasa, have however called for calm as the country waits for preliminary results due on May the 25th. Reports from northern Mozambique have said more than 30 bodies were found on a road in the gas-rich province of Cabo Delgado. According to reports, some of the dead were wearing police and army uniforms. It is thought they may have been killed in an attack by Islamist militants in the area earlier this month. This is because a local militant group, Al-Shabaab, has intensified attacks in recent weeks, seizing towns and raising the black jihadist flag. It is, however, not clear whether it has any links to the Somali group of the same name, but recently authorities say the militants were affiliated to the Islamic State group. Hundreds of people are feared killed following fighting in Jonglei State, northeastern South Sudan. This came after fighting erupted between pastoralists and farming communities in Pieri Town last Saturday, displacing thousands of people who fled to the bush. Dozens of homes were burnt down while warehouses belonging to humanitarian agencies were raided and looted. Women and children were also abducted and herds of cattle stolen. 
However, security agencies disclose that they have recovered hundreds of illegal firearms, including rifles, rocket-propelled grenades, and hand grenades from the warring communities. Local authorities also said they are accessing the number of people killed, but it is believed it is in the hundreds since the fresh wave of revenge attacks began in February. The United Nations radio station in South Sudan, however, reported that about 1,000 people have died in the violence, which has, however, not been confirmed. President Donald Trump's ex-lawyer Michael Cohen is said to be released from prison to home confinement today due to COVID-19 concerns. Cohen, who was originally due to walk free in November 2021, is expected to remain in quarantine for two weeks before early release. The 53-year-old is serving a three-year sentence for lying to Congress and campaign finance fraud. It would be noted that New York is the epicenter of the U.S. pandemic and the minimum security prison where Cohen is detained has had a number of confirmed cases. According to the Federal Bureau of Prisons, 2,265 inmates and 188 members of staff tested positive for COVID-19 nationwide. There have also been 58 inmate deaths due to the virus. Meanwhile, Earlier this month, another former Trump aide, ex-campaign chairman Paul Manafort, was released from prison to serve the remainder of his custodial term at home due to COVID-19 fears. Manafort, who was convicted of conspiracy and fraud charges, had served a little over a year of his seven-and-a-half-year sentence. China has accused United States Secretary of State Mike Pompeo of blackmailing the Hong Kong government with the Hong Kong Human Rights and Democracy Act, saying the U.S. administration's recent actions amounted to blatant interference in China's internal affairs. Pompeo had said Wednesday that the recent treatment of pro-democracy activists in Hong Kong made it harder to assess whether the territory remains highly autonomous from China a requirement for the special treatment afforded the city under American law. But a spokesman for the Chinese Foreign Ministry's Office of the Commissioner to Hong Kong said in a statement that Pompeo's actions could not scare the Chinese people, noting that Beijing would safeguard its sovereignty, security and development interests. A powerful cyclone that hit Bangladesh and eastern India has reportedly killed at least 20 people and destroyed thousands of homes, leaving authorities struggling to mount relief efforts amid a surging coronavirus outbreak. Authorities began surveying the damage earlier today after millions spent a sleepless night which saw up to 170 kilometer an hour winds carrying away trees, electricity pylons, walls and roofs with transformer stations exploding. The eastern Indian state of West Bengal took the brunt of Cyclone Amphan with the state's chief minister, Mamata Manajay, saying at least 12 people had died and two districts were completely battered. In neighboring Bangladesh, officials said eight people had died, including a 75-year-old man hit by falling trees, a five-year-old boy and a cyclone emergency volunteer who drowned. The officials, however, said they were waiting for reports from the Sudabans, a UNESCO World Heritage Site, 
famed for its mangrove forest and population of endangered Bengal tigers, which bore the brunt of the storm. And finally, civil liberties groups have criticized the British government's latest overhaul of the United Kingdom's terrorism legislation, highlighting the potential for indefinite restrictions placed against those suspected but not convicted of terrorism. Under legislation unveiled on Wednesday, the burden of proof would be lowered for officials considering placing terrorism prevention and investigation measures, TPIMs, against suspects, while the current two-year limit on their use would be removed. Under the proposed law, courts will be able to limit a suspect's movements and enforce curfews and electronic tagging for an indefinite period, which is subject to review. Minimum sentences would also rise, and the most serious offenders, if released, would remain on license for the rest of their lives and could be taken back into custody. However, campaigners have said the proposals were a fundamental threat to justice, saying it was not right to drastically curtail people's liberty on the basis of secret and untested evidence using control orders or TPIMs. And that has been Kauri, 97.5 FM, Newsbeat, Thursday, 21st May, 2020. I am Bolawala Makinde. Bola Makinde ending today's edition of the Reset Button. Remember the rules, stay safe, physical distancing, hand washing, learn not to touch your face, wear a mask, body and home hygiene, and you're free from COVID-19. I am Willie Thomas. Enjoy the rest of today. This is Cowrie 97.5 FM, Abbey Upper